Chapter Thirty Five of Tangled Trails, a Western Detective Story by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Five Like a Thief in the Night. From ten thousand bulbs, the moving picture houses of Curtis Street were flinging a glow upon the packed sidewalks when Kirby came out of the hotel and started uptown. He walked to the Wyndham, entered, and slipped up the stairs of the rooming house unnoticed. From the third story he ascended by a ladder to the flat roof. He knew exactly what he had come to investigate. From one of the windows of the fourth floor at the Paradox he had noticed the clothesline which stretched across the Wyndham roof from one corner to another. He went straight to one of the posts which supported the rope. He made a careful study of this, then walked to the other upright support and examined the knots which held the line fast here. "'I'm some good little guesser,' he murmured to himself as he turned back to the ladder and descended to the floor below. He moved quietly along the corridor to the fire escape and stepped out upon it. Then, very quickly and expertly, he coiled a rope which he took from a paper parcel that had been under his arm. At one end of the coil was a loop. He swung this lightly round his head once or twice to feel the weight of it. The rope snaked forward and up. Its loop dropped upon the stone abutment he had noticed when he had been examining the exteriors of the building with Cole Sanborn. It tightened when he gave a jerk. Kirby climbed over the railing and swung himself lightly out into space. A moment and he was swaying beside the fire escape of the paradox. He caught the iron rail and pulled himself to the platform. By chance the blind was down. There was no light within, but after his eyes had become used to the darkness, he tried to take a squint at the room from the sides of the blind. The shade hung an inch or two from the window frame, so that by holding his eye close he could get more than a glimpse of the interior. He tapped gently on the glass. The lights inside flashed on. From one viewpoint he could see almost half the room. He could go to the other side of the blind and see most of the other half. A man sat down in a chair close to the opposite wall, letting his hands fall on the arms. A girl stood in front of him and pointed a paper knife at his head, holding it as though it were a revolver. The head of the man fell sideways. Kirby tapped on the window pane again. He edged up the sash and stepped into the room. The young woman turned to him eagerly a warm glow in her shell-pink cheeks. "'Well?' she inquired. "'Worked out fine, Rose,' Kirby said. "'I could see the whole thing.' "'Still, that doesn't prove anything,' the other man put in. He belonged to the staff of the private detective agency with which Kirby was dealing. The Wyoming man smiled. It proves my theory is possible. Knowing Olson, I'm willing to gamble he didn't sit still on the fire escape 
and let that drawn blind shut him off from what was going on inside. He was one mighty interested observer. Now he must have known that there was a clothesline in the roof. From the street you can see a washin' hangin' out there any old time. In his place I'd have bopped up to the roof and got that line, which is exactly what he did, I'll bet. The line had been tied to the posts with a lot of knots. He hadn't time to untie it, so he cut the rope. It's been spliced out since by a piece of rope of a different kind. "'How do you know that's been done since?' the detective asked. "'A fair question,' Kirby nodded. "'I don't. I'll find out about that when I talk with the landlady of the Wyndham. If I'm right, you can bet that cut rope has puzzled her some. She can't figure out why anyone would cut her rope down and then leave it there.' "'If you can show me her rope was cut that night, I'll say you're right,' the detective admitted. "'And if you are right, then the Swede must have been right here when your uncle was killed.' "'May have been,' Kirby corrected. "'We haven't any authentic evidence yet as to exactly when my uncle was killed. We're getting the time narrowed down. It was between 9.30 and 9.50.' We know that. How do you know that? the professional sleuth asked. According to your story, you didn't get into the apartment until after ten o'clock. It might have been done any time up till then. The eyes of Kirby and Rose met. They had private information about who was in the rooms from about 9.55 till 10.10. .10. The cattleman corrected his statement. All right, say between 9.30 and 10.05. During that time, Hull may have shot my uncle. Or Olson may have opened the window while my uncle lay there helpless, killed him, stepped out of the window again, and slipped down by the fire escape. All he'd have to do then would be to walk into the Wyndham, replace the rope on the roof, and next morning leave for Dry Valley. The detective nodded. If he cut the rope. Let me find out from the landlady whether it was cut that night. Good. We'll wait for you at the corner. Ten minutes later, the detective joined them in front of the drugstore where they were standing. The hard eyes in his cold gambler's face were lit up for once. I'll say the man from Missouri has been shown, he said. I let on to the dame at the Wyndham that I was after a gang of young sneak thieves in the neighborhood. Pretty soon I drifted her to the night of the 23rd, said they'd been especially active that night and had used a rope to get into a second story of a building. She woke up. Her clothesline on the roof had been cut that very night. She remembered the night on account of it being the one when Mr. Cunningham was killed. Could the boys have used it to get into the store and then brought it back, I thought likely? Bully! We're one step nearer than we were. We know Olson was looking in the window from the fire escape just outside. The detective slapped his thigh. 
It lies between Hull and the Swede. That's a cinch. I believe it does, agreed Rose. Kirby made no comment. He seemed to be absorbed in speculations of his own. The detective was reasoning from a very partial knowledge of the facts. He knew nothing about the relations of James Cunningham to his uncle, nor even that the younger Cunningham, or at least one of them, had been in his uncle's apartment the evening of his death. He did not know that Rose had been there, wherefore his deductions, even though they had the benefit of being trained ones, were of slight value in this case. "'Will you take the key back to the chief of police?' Kirby asked him as they separated. "'Better not tell him who was with you or what we were doing.' "'I'm liable to tell him a whole lot.' the detective answered with heavy irony. I'm figuring on running down this murderer myself if anyone asks you. Wish you luck, Kirby said with perfect gravity. End of chapter 35